Welcome to Thrivecast, a community podcast series where we are meeting and talking to the practitioners in the growth and engineering field. Uh, today, we are talking to Anuj. Uh, in, in today's episode, we'll talk uh, about what is growth, how is growth, uh, growth teams built, uh, what's their purpose, what's their, uh, you know, what's their KPIs, if you will, and we'll touch uh, the major po- part of the episode on how to build growth teams. Uh, Anuj, welcome to the Thrivecast podcast. Uh, always love talking to you. Uh, you. You've had a very you know beautiful career. You've experimented with many many things in, in the field of uh, in the field of growth. Uh, for the listeners who have not had the background of listening to maybe the Andrew Captains, how I got there, kind of a podcast. Could you briefly describe, you know, your how did you get into growth? What things that you experimented and the whole hog around it. Sure. Uh, well, so thanks for having me. This is. I'm glad we finally get to record one of these because we always have great conversations. Uh, and uh, uh, I think, like almost every other growth person, I am an accidental growth practitioner uh, because my degrees are in chemistry and biochemistry. Uh, and I think you'll find that's true of a lot of people in this field. Um, you know, I know you'll be talking to Hila. You know, she has a biology major. You know, Sean Ellis comes from a liberal arts background. You know, there's it's just all over the place, and I'm just one amongst many who stumbled onto this career, uh, where you know we discovered that the, all of this growth stuff is nothing but applying the scientific method to uh, product and marketing. So for you know everybody watching or listening, you know, if you have ever run an experiment in a lab in school and watch the colors change on that chemical as you poured another one into it. Congratulations, you know how to do growth. Uh, you and I are the same, because uh, that's all we are doing day in and day out. Instead of chemicals, we're doing pixels. Uh, and I think that is the, uh, the central thesis I think that anybody finds themselves in this field with is that they can't resist trying new things out. Right? So I think if you go look at the LinkedIn profiles of anybody, you, you'll find they've done a bunch of things. They'll land up advising, they'll end up writing, they'll end up podcasting, they'll have side hustles. And that's just because, you know, you, you are now hooked onto this, you know, how will I know, right? Which, which is the central idea behind growth, right? You can't prejudge anything and you have to just try new things out and some things will work and most things will not, but there's only one way to find out, right? Uh, and so that is how I found myself in this growth is just, Sometimes accidentally stumbling onto things and saying, "Oh, this looks interesting," and I, I try that out. Uh, and some, you know, being more opportunistic about uh, things, you know, li- like ri- writing a book. Which, hey, why has nobody written growth hacking for dummies? Maybe I'll write it. Uh, it's the sort of thing, um, right? So it's a combination of serendipity and being in that mindset all the time of trying new things out, which then helps you stumble onto opportunities maybe other people don't see. What a beautiful way to put it. You know, I think, uh, you know, you mentioned about experimenting, uh, chemical experiments. People conduct experiments on other things, on other people. Uh, and here you are, you're conducting experiments on yourself, on your career, by trying various things. You know, that's, that's, a, that's, that's a great opportunity to learn. Uh, maybe I'll, we'll, we'll maybe start from there, right? Um, you know, could you, te- could you describe a little, you know, I know in your storied career across the board, uh, you worked in various areas. You wrote written a book on growth. Uh, you have been a Techstars mentor, you know, uh, especially on growth. You've talked to lots and lots of leaders in the in the in the space. Uh, what have you found? Um, maybe if, if you could describe a little uh, little background about 
why did the growth themes you know come into play how did they come into play what's the history behind it uh yeah so you know i think this started out maybe in like maybe the late 90s or early 2000s when i don't i don't think these were even called growth themes and and i recall a conversation um which i think sean ellis started somewhere that you know found that maybe the first proto growth team really was at ebay in oh, really? the late, okay. late 90s and you know early 2000s and and you know these teams may have existed right where these people were just tasked with trying new things out but they weren't called growth teams uh, they you know may not even have been as cross functional as you know we read about nowadays but it was just somebody or somebodies that were tasked with finding new opportunities uh, and if you really think about this uh, the, the the startups that succeed right the ones that get beyond product market fit are the ones that are really growth teams in their own right because when you're pre product market fit your entire job is to iterate your way to find what works right so everybody is part of this growth team i guess you're more of a validation team at that point but the, the principles are exactly the same is just iterative you know t- testing of things uh, and i think once you get post product market fit which is when you really want to start focusing on growth right is when these teams start to coalesce a little bit uh, more so you know but even then sometimes it just starts out with somebody whose job it is you know is this given by the ceo and sometimes it's the ceo themselves at an early stage startup is okay i'm just going to lead the charge with you know finding new paths and you know blazing new trails and i will slowly bring people in into the fold so they're not as formal as you might think right i, I think the first time i started reading about something you know more formal was you know maybe in the days of facebook right or very early days of linkedin or you know very early days of twitter like that's when i think this start this it started becoming a thing uh, where you had a more dedicated team that had slightly more dedicated resources may not have had all the resources still had to do begging which you know is the life of anybody in growth is to just you know, you know bribe your teammates with beer and pizza and you know get some engineering time and some design time and some anal- an analysis time um, right so i i think that's when that all started out is with the success that all of these uh, you know now big name startups started to find with these dedicated teams you know whose sole job it was was to find new avenues for growth right was when it started percolating i think more in the consciousness that maybe this is a more dedicated role and maybe this is a more dedicated team it's because it's not possible for one person forget doing everything it's not possible for one person to know everything it's not one possible for one person to be the best at everything and even if you are you can't be the best at anything for any amount of time because this is one of those fields where if you don't keep up your obsolete tomorrow uh, sort of thing uh, right so so i think the genesis and even the evolution as we see it in startups today is more uh, it, it's almost like you know this primordial soup where somebody takes on a role uh, and then they find opportunities and then as that uh, the benefit of that role gets proven out right that's when more resources get given to that role whether it's more teams or whether it's you know a dedicated engineer or a dedicated 
you know, analytics person, whatever that case may be. And I think that's how it generally progresses. The things you might read about with, you know, oh, here's Facebook's growth team and here's Uber's growth team. Like firstly, most startups don't even make it to that scale, you know, to have these giant dedicated growth teams with so much data to play around with. So I think for the for most of us, I think we, we are playing around with much smaller data sets, with much smaller teams, with far fewer resources, uh, right? And just making do with w- what we have, but uh, playing the role of that almost like interstitial glue, trying to bring all parts of the organization together towards this common goal of you know what we call growth, but really translates tactically to you know, growing the value we deliver to customers. So I think um, maybe you know uh, translated. If I if I understand you correctly, um, I'm trying to imagine you know a, a startup going through a journey, right? Do they go through a journey of they are they are into pre-product, you know they're, they're in the pre-product phase. They get into like a product market fit, trying to find ways whether they have value, they are creating value for the customers at all or not. Uh, you know, looks like what you're telling is that at that stage, they're already experimenting. It's just that there's no growth. There's no central dedicated growth team, but it's probably the founders talking to customers and trying to find ways on, you know, uh, their solution fit, their product fit, their market fit, and so on and so forth. But looks like, you know, after they have reached, you know, some kind of a repeatable success, that's where, uh, you know, is that right to say that that's where they start thinking of, uh, maybe the founders abdicating that role themselves and have you know dedicated you know growth teams to go figure out ways to continue this experimentation culture uh, and have that you know uh, have that you know responsibility kind of you know by the way to a smaller team w- would that be a right translation on how the you know how the journey happens or uh, are there you know other different ways about it yeah no that's generally right uh, right because ultimately growth is about doubling down on what works. Uh, right and and i think as you know as well uh, right the, the the biggest part of a ceo's job is really unblocking the team and giving them the resources to go do what they want to do right so at some point they have to stop being the face of growth you know and the person leading it and let somebody you know with a more dedicated skill set you know and so maybe maybe somebody with more experience you know, take this on because you don't want to be falling into the same traps and making the same mistakes that have already been made, right? You'd rather get yeah. somebody on board who knows what they're doing so that they can hit the ground running, you know, and, and go with it, you know, and I, I just want to go back to what you said with that pre-product market fit and post-product market fit dynamic. You can almost think of like pre-product market fit is all about finding that niche where you are a must have, right? So it's about narrowing sort of the focus and the funnel, right? You can almost think as everything becomes narrower and narrower. But as soon as you find it, you, you explode that bit out and go wider and find as many of those as you can, right? So the process is the same of experimenting your way to the one thing, pre-product market fit. And then it's the same process, but you know, applied to blowing that out as much as possible after the fact. So uh, let me ask you maybe slightly differently. You know, I, lo- I love the analogy of the funnel, you know, if you, uh, you, know, if you will. Um, you know, let me ask this, you know, in the good old days, the traditional days where sales and marketing were you know, primarily at the helm of, you know, f- you know, acquiring users and, you know, getting, you know, getting more and more uh, awareness into, into the product, into the company, is growth teams now slowly starting to take on that role of uh, figuring out, you know, how to get, you know, how to get more customers to, uh, 
you know, uh, to, to see the value of the product. So do you still see that uh, is growth team, is growth team replacing marketing over, over a period of time or they just adding on maybe marketing takes on the role of an acquisition play and growth teams, you know, take on the role of, you know, after they have acquired, bring them value. How do you see the growth? Of, how do you see the differences between growth and marketing? Do they go side by side or over time growth is going to replace marketing, especially if PLG becomes, you know, a, a primal way to stay around. Right. So I think that is the key, right? Is it depends based on uh, sort of what primary growth lever you even rely on, right? And again, there's no right or wrong way. It's whatever works uh, for you. And, you know, I have, you know, this has been a struggle for me internally because I have personally always, uh, because I'm somebody who practices this discipline, you know, place the importance of somebody, you know, doing growth at a far higher level than I think it really is. And far higher than I think people are willing to admit, right? Because, and, and I experienced this firsthand at a company, right? Where you have a sales and marketing machine that is just working, right? It is pure hubris to think that you will come in and say, no, no, forget all of that. I'm going to show you this fancy growth stuff, uh, right? And we'll explode everything out. It's like, you know, I got slapped down really hard, uh, right? Like we can't stop this machine, right? We have to make money. We have revenue goals, all of that, uh, right? And so, and I think that tends to be the case, I think, for more companies than I think we think uh, is the case. So, if you have this case where, you know, it is going to be the sort of traditional sales marketing motion, right? And that's fine. I think the role of growth, I think, you know, tends to be more bolt on where it's like you do what you're doing. I'm going to help you find newer avenues and newer opportunities for you to play and make your pool bigger, which is not to say that, you know, that, that you know, now the growth team or, you know, is now this subordinate team. It is just a different role. Right. Because ultimately it doesn't matter where, whether you are like, you know, a product led company or a not product led company. Ultimately, if you, know, you are on a growth team and growth is in your title, unfortunately for you, your job is to actually grow, which means not just doing more tests and getting more wins. It means actually impacting the bottom line of the business. Right. So no matter where you sit, it's a super stressful role because you have to rapidly learn about how do you make business impact. Right. So and I think that's something that maybe gets forgotten in all of this. Oh, this growth process and the experimentation, all of that is damn good. Right? But ultimately, the CEO doesn't care about anything. But OK, what did this do for my bottom line? Like, am I going to where's, hit... the, where's the moolah? Show me the moolah. Like, like, you know, am I going to hit that one million ARR so I can have a good series A? Like that is all they care about. Like You can talk yeah. about all your fancy tools and everything else. It doesn't matter. Right. So and I think that's the one foundational thing that gets forgotten i think by a lot of people who get so excited by this growth stuff yeah yeah so maybe i think you know it could it could be nice to have some you know maybe you know either yourself or you know someone someone you know you're a prolific writer yourself you know someone like you to be able to go you know lay out the land of hey if you're in the early stage uh you know this is what uh, maybe why don't we why don't we touch upon that subject let's say if you're an early stage company uh you've reached your product market fit uh, and you start your first hire, you know, in, in the growth space, you know, for some reason, 
for whatever reasons the the leadership decides that uh, growth needs to be now a dedicated person uh, whatever the signals that they received you know internally externally you know somehow they decided that they should be now a dedicated team for growth what where would you start with maybe a very simpler kpi for them to go uh, you know you know go serve is that you know i'm i'm just thinking in terms of is acquisition their first uh, first kpi is activation you know the primary kpi if marketing is doing the acquisition sure. uh, awareness and the acquisition is growth responsible for activation are they responsible for more engagement are they responsible for more monetization how does one think about as they go through this journey you know of hey now i have a very small one person or one and a half person or even a half person growth yeah, team yeah. what's the kpi that they can hand it over to them right so there is not one unfortunately even though we like to think there is one uh, right and and I, the reason i say we like to think there is one is because and i i talk about this a lot myself right is ultimately every you know we, i like to have everything roll up to a north star metric right because ultimately that is that number in theory that quantifies value delivered but that number has many dependencies right and so there is never going to be a scenario where all you do is look at a north star metric and say okay if that's moving up great uh but certainly that is one that is a non negotiable for everybody on the team because whether your sales marketing product engineering uh customer success i don't care if what you are doing every day is either we cannot draw the line to how that helps grow customer value you're working on the wrong thing right so everybody has to have that in mind you like you know marketing can have its you can have your mqls and product can have its pqls and Uh, sales can have its deals won and engineering can have its tickets closed and bugs squashed and you know customer success will have its tickets closed all of that is fine right but if you are not working on the things that are helping you know uh, move the needle on value delivered because there are some things you can do that are more impactful than others right this is why companies die is like you focus on the least impactful things right and everybody is doing their own thing and guided by their own fiefdom right so i think that just at an overall level i think that is a super important unifying number uh, across the board and should be a non negotiable now after that right uh if all things being equal post product market fit right, the biggest bang for the buck i think comes from activation and focusing there like now why is that right because when you have reached product market fit all you have proven is that you have value for a certain segment of user you have not proven that you have discovered the best way to deliver value for that user right mm-hmm. and without that learning if you go get more users you are throwing most of that money down the drain because you do not have val- a validated great first experience for these users and you will then by definition have no way to predict how long these users will stay and that is the real trick right what will get users to stay which by definition means the light bulb has to go off and they have to say oh my god like where has this been all my life which is not to say that every products you know activation rate will be 10 seconds or 1 minute it is whatever it is right but a first experience is a first experience and given our attention spans today if there's no great first experience there's no second experience the game is over right and so all things being equal uh i think activation is the place to focus on because if you can 
understand that if I put a certain kind of person through a certain kind of experience that I expect them to behave in this sort of way and retain in this sort of way, then I can start to build out a bit of a model, mathematical model that says, okay, if I 100x this, the amount of the right kind of people, what can I expect for how many users will come through this? How many will retain? Mm-hmm. How many will pay? Right? Because ultimately at the end of the day, and this is true for all VC-backed businesses, and this has become sort of the question that I have begun to key in on, right? is to ask all these early stage founders, is how confident are you that you're going to hit your metrics for your Series A? Right? And, you know, I, 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 I get a lot of justifying of, you know, I think, I hope, right? But yeah. really it is, you know, them expressing in many, many words that they haven't validated this experience and they have not built a quantitative model that shows how, you know, people will behave, you know, across every step of this journey, right? So I think these, so these three things to me go hand in hand is you have to have a well-defined North Star metric, right? Which again is, if you've picked correctly, it is the leading indicator of revenue. Um, You have to figure out, you know, what good activation looks like and what that activation metric is, right? And all of that has to be put through the lens of a quantitative growth model, right? And these three things have to work in tandem because then as you do week over week experimentation and look at, you know, how you're tracking, right? And you can build a model that says, I have 12 months to reach a 1 million ARR goal. What does that mean for, if you're a PLG business, how many free trials I need or how many freemium users do I need coming through the experience every month? Right? If I have a 2% conversion rate on that right now, what does that mean for my top of funnel? Yeah. Right. And you do the back math to say, okay, you know, if thousand users translate to a 1 million ARR and look at the conversion rates, you know, laddering up, that helps you build out a bit of a model that then says, okay, here's what I need for people actually coming through the door. Here's what I need for people signing up. Here's how they have, how many people have to engage in the, ex- in the first experience. How many people have to product qualify or marketing qualify or whatever qualify, right? Or how many people have to demo and then how many people have to actually sign up, right? But I think most people have not done that exercise, yeah. right? And so then you reach month 10 and say, oh crap, you know, I'm not going to make that goal. I'm not going to get my funding. I'm going to die, right? And yeah. so I think, this you know, you, you... This, is, this is not any rocket science. This is basic math. Yeah, which is why I think uh, you know a lot of people uh, are approaching you to to be their mentors because you're asking a you know these hard questions where they have to now compute. Uh, otherwise, uh, you know, in you know in the good old days where money was much more freely given, uh, the founders will probably say, "Hey, th- these are forward-looking statements, and anything that I you know I can't predict the future, so I'm not going to go <laughs> attempt to answer whether I'll get the right metrics or not." But I can tell you what has happened in the past. Uh, you know, maybe maybe that's why you're you know uh, people are coming to you for uh, you know for validating you know these things. Um, so I think you let me summarize what you just said, right? I think you know there are a couple of uh, salient points, and we can probably put that as part of the show notes. Uh, what you said, you know, uh, and very likely if I trivialize it, maybe apologies if I'm trivializing at a at a product market fit stage, they may or may not even have a north star metric. So what you're saying is go discover that North Star metric, you know, and, you know, there, there, there could be so many other metrics from that you find out one or two or three that you want to kind of watch, you know, monitor and see what, what makes sense. I think beyond that, what you said is go experiment on how you can 
improve those things, be it qualitative, quantitative, you know, figure out, uh, you know, how many experiments you can conduct, but more importantly, how can you move the, the needle on the notch star metrics at that time? Uh, that's a that's a lot to take in from a growth team standpoint. So maybe if you could paint the picture of if you want to hire the first hire on the growth as a growth team leader, uh, what skills do you see, you know, uh, or should you see in that particular person that uh, that you, you know, if you were to be the founder uh, and you're trying to hire, you know, a growth leader, what skills would you look into that particular person, you know, um, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, whether they sit with you, uh, you know, uh, in the labs, figuring out, should they have done growth before? You know, is that what you look for? Yeah. So I think there is two lenses to look at this through. Uh, one is a skill lens and one is a behavioral lens. And I, most people index on the skill lens. Uh, but, and also there, I don't think the... The, there's a level of rigor there. Uh, and, and I actually personally uh, experienced this uh, uh, ironically, you know, at a, you know, a company that sold these, um, right? And so I spent a year at an, this e-commerce company that sold these mugs, right? Never having worked at e-commerce, but I'm like, why not? Let's try it. Uh, and, you know, at heart, I'm a retention guy, uh, right? And I'm not as great at Know, running Facebook ads or Google ads or anything like that. Right. And, but, you know, for a lot of e-commerce companies, a lot of your growth actually comes from how well you acquire and convert that traffic over. Right. So there's a lot more testing in channel, right. Which is something I was not great at. Uh, right. And clearly this is not a software product, so I can't test activation and retention or anything mm -hmm. like this, you know, on this. Correct. Uh, right. So a lot of my work became so certainly pure conversion rate optimization work on the website. Right. And having to work with somebody who you know lived and breathed uh, those channels. Right. And so while was I able to make an impact? Absolutely. You know, in retrospect, was I the right person to have hired? Absolutely not. Right. Because I did not live and breathe. Right. All of these channels. Right. So I was dependent on somebody else to tell me what was right, what was wrong. Right. And basically I just became this conduit for knowledge. Right. And so I think the lesson from that experience was that if you're going to hire a head of growth, right. And I think this is, this is more for the person who wants to be hired incumbent on them to ask this question right? is tell me what you see as your, you know, next year, two years, like what levers do you uh, foresee yourself leaning on for growth? Is it going to be product? Is it going to be, you know, outbound sales? Uh, is it going to be a lot of, you know, marketing? Is If it is like, is it going to be a lot of TikTok content? Is it going to be ads? What is it going to be, right? Because there has to be a fit between that growth lever and what this person who you're trying to hire is good at, not only good at, best at. Because right? that is the only way this person can become a true force multiplier for you. Is if they are an expert in the thing you need to grow. You just can't go and hire a growth person. Uh, you introduced uh, a new term, Anuj, now. Uh, you may not have realized it. You've introduced the term growth leader fit. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> you know, and it's incumbent on the leader himself, you know, who's now looking for a new job, new new gig. He's asking the questions to go find out, you know, whether he's a fit for the company or not. Uh, right. I think I think that's that's beautifully put. Um, the unfortunate part is, you know, most incumbents uh, or most guys who are trying to go find a new job, they are in a they're not in a position to ask these questions. Uh, they may not yet understand the business, so they have to spend that time. They have to spend that time to discover what this business is, what are the primary levers for that, and very likely even the founders at that at that stage may not exactly know because that's what they are trying to get the growth leader for. Hey, go discover me. What are the prime metrics? What should I do? And this isn't the business that I am. Unfortunately, there's no mind map saying that hey, for e-commerce, this is how you should look for growth. For medical or healthcare, you, this is how you should look at growth. Uh, I think that's a discovery process, and and you rightly said it's it's upon the uh, the growth leader who's trying to get this new gig. Let me ask a, you know a next question, and we'll run out of time very quickly. Uh, let's assume that now you have a you know good growth leader. Yeah. How do you how do you start building a culture, a new culture, you know? Because before the growth leader joined in that particular team, it was mostly founder led. Founders yeah. were you know, we're driving these things and they may not have, they may not have a playbook per se. Uh, they may not, they, they would have gone by their own gut feel, but now you're getting a, you know, a growth guy, right? Now uh, who's, who has to write this particular playbook. Uh, it's now he's starting a machine around growth. So essentially he needs to write, uh, he needs to document, he needs to go say that, Hey, this is how we go do things here. How how does he go by or he or she goes by sure. and what are the things that, uh, you know, what are the good indicators that if you are the founder to, uh, to understand whether that person is building the right culture or not? Yeah. Uh, so, so the answer to that question is actually the latter half of the answer to the previous question, right? So where I told you, like, you know, people index on the skill part. The other very important part is the behavioral part. Uh, right. And what I mean by that is by definition, what a growth team is supposed to be doing is breaking rules. So what you really need to hire is a rule breaker. You can't just go by somebody saying, Oh, I'm a process person. I do tests. You know, I follow this process. Yes. All of that is right. But what you primarily want is somebody that says, you know what? I don't care what exists. Here's what I'm going for. I will freaking figure it out. Right. So what you need are rule breakers who are goal oriented and move very fast. Right. And are not really bothered about, for lack of a better way of putting it, collateral damage along the way. Uh, right. And I think this is the one thing that almost no team susses out for. This, it mm -hmm. was very easy to see a certificate and to say, okay, I worked at Uber and I worked here, but are you the right kind of person for this team? especially for an early team where we are running out of money, right? We are running out of time. We need to move fast, uh, right? And I need you to be very focused on this goal, right? So there's that aspect that doesn't get sussed out. The second aspect of growth, which, you know, I think is more common, right? Is it's, it's meant to be this multidisciplinary role, right? Which means you have to bring everybody along for the ride, which means then you are, also meant to be the sort of persuader of the team. You know, you're like an internal influencer. Right? So you can't have somebody who's going to sit quietly, give you a, give the company a, you know, Google doc 
to read and a presentation, you know, to read and think they will get it. Right? You need somebody who's going to be in everybody's faces, like just getting them excited about the opportunity. Right? Like just imagine what will happen, like when we crack this and we crack that, right? And getting them not only excited about that, but also then taking the time to educate everybody. And this is the most underrated part of the role. And I think this is what even I forget this on a regular basis is that growth is not everybody else's job, right? They have their own day jobs they're being paid for. So you have to constantly till you are blue in the face and then after you're blue, you're purple in the face and every other color in the face, constantly be repeating this message of why is this growth thing important and what role do you play in it? Because the second anybody thinks that, hey, growth is this thing Anuj does on the side there, you know, it's all over, I should fire myself, right? It, Everybody should think, okay, here's how I play my role, right? In growth. So they have to be this evangelist, you know, across the organization, you know, whether it is lunch and learns, whether it is documentation, whether it is sharing results, you know, weekly or what's happening, good, bad, ugly, whatever it is, right? Getting everybody saying, oh, here's why all of these things matter, right? But then also taking advantage of the unifying power of that North Star metric, right? Or, or some sort of focus area metric. Right. And, and this is something I have now started to lean on with teams is, you know, everybody loves to do standups, right? But I think they're mostly inefficient because there's a lot of word salad and there's a lot of, I did this and I'm thinking <laughs> about this and I'm going to talk about this. It's all useless. So I now prefer to do them asynchronously using a Slack bot, right? And, and I have four questions in there. Right? The first question is, you know, what, what are you working on today? That's going to move the needle on a North Star metric. Second question is of everything you could be doing, what's the most impactful thing you could be doing to move the needle on a North Star metric? Right. Third question is, do you need help from anybody to be able to do this most impactful thing? Please act mention. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And fourth, which is, you know, the last two are optional. And the fourth is, did you learn anything yesterday that's making what you do today different? Oh, those are beautiful, four beautiful questions. Yeah. Yes. Right, because now it's all in black and white. People have to think about this. There's nowhere to hide. Everybody can read it, right? And very easy to go and say, okay, why are you working on that thing? Why do you think this is the most impactful thing? It also lets other people say, oh, yeah. I'm also working on that. Maybe we're duplicating effort, uh, right? Or, or it lets another person know I might need your help. We'll like keep some time aside for me. But I think with the last question, you know, there's a lot of people, we learn a lot of small, small things in the way we do things, but we don't share it. But those are the things that I think, you know, tend to add up over time is to, you know, and they become part of the culture of the team is to, this is how we now do X. It's not just one person in the corner because, you know, he decided it was good. Uh, right. So, so I think it's yeah. these sorts of things that start to spread culture. When you're talking about culture, it has to be very intentionally built out and engineered. Right. And these are the sort of things that I think help. You know, I think I think you're making a very crucial point. Uh, by the way, those four questions are extremely difficult for uh, feature teams, right? Feature teams won't understand that, which is why feature teams are going into their own sprint and they're focusing on, hey, these are the stories I want to go, you know, finish and things of like that. Maybe that's that's the point that you're making that there's a person in the team who's asking these questions about growth constantly, right? And trying to measure you know, yourself constantly trying to rile up the team, you know, constantly trying to help them, uh, you know, but it's very unlikely that everyone is able to think, you know, in the way that this particular person thinks or the person or the team that thinks. 
maybe what you're saying is the grow team's responsibility is to ensure that they are doing the thinking part of it, but at least, you know, and, and bring the entire organization together, be it sales, marketing, product management, customer success, together to actually understand, uh, you know, what's, what has conspired uh, and how should you go ahead and change their ways on, you know, figuring out that North Star metrics or you know, getting to that particular place. So it's very likely the other teams are implementing, uh, you know, on, on, the, on the lines that the growth team is thinking about. Would that be right to say there's a thinker aspect, there's an implementer aspect? Sure. I, I, think it's, it's, I think it's clearly both, right? But I think, you know, this is the cliche of everybody rowing in the same direction, right? If you've watched any boating race, the team that wins, right, is the team that is co completely in sync and everybody's oar goes in at the same time and everybody's oar is at not only at the same time, but pointing the boat in only one direction. The team that comes in second, right, was the one who's, you know, maybe one oar came in a little bit late, right, or pointed the boat in a slightly different direction. They're all generally going in the same direction, which is what most teams tend to be like. They generally, yeah. but that's not how you win. You, you, you win by laser focusing and think that is all that matters. You can write all the user stories you want. Tell me why you're writing these stories. How is this helping move a North Star metric? If it is, great, keep working on it, right? But you can't just say, I want, I know my job is to release features. Like, no, your job is to release features that grow value delivered. Yeah. Right. It's the like, same thing with an engineer, right? My job is to fix bugs. Great. Your job is not to just fix every bug. It's to fix the bugs that are most in the way of value delivered. Yeah. I don't care about the other bugs. Yeah. I think, you know, maybe it looks like in, in Boston, the, the boat racing season has started and <laughs> you watch and there's usually a guy in the front, you know, who's like, you know, using, you know, uh, either, you know, sticks exactly. or the things to have, you know, have the, have the beats, you know, you know, uh, uh, coming through, uh, but, you know, Anuj, uh, you know, uh, we are almost out of time. So we'll ask you one last question, you know, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that, you know, you mentioned today and we'll probably summarize in the show, show notes. Uh, how does someone reach out to you? How does someone reach out to you for, are you available, you know, to answer these questions? Uh, are you, you know, could you give us some contact details so that we can publish it in the notes? Sure, sure. Yeah. And again, always happy to nerd out uh, about all of this stuff. It's it's all very exciting. So uh, very active on LinkedIn, very active on Twitter. Uh, both are, you know, at uh, Anujadhiya. If there's any others, they're not worth it. It's only me. Yeah. <laughs> 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 all right. So any, anywhere, uh, by all means. We'll we'll, uh, we'll post your LinkedIn, you know, uh, LinkedIn uh, URL below. Again, thank you, Anish, for for your valuable time. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, to all the listeners, if you've joined today's discussion, you find it uh, insightful, uh, you know, or not, please leave us a comment or some feedback. Stay tuned for more insights, more updates, and very soon we'll start having some more demos. Until then, keep thriving. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks.